Welcome to episode 37 of Tegan Goes Vegan. I'm your host, Tegan Karuna. This week, I spoke with Vincent Barad, who is the animalist. You may know him from his blog, which I think is actually on Medium, but may also have a website as well, or from the Friendly and Pragmatic Vegans and Vegetarians Facebook group. Vincent is really dedicated to fostering positive communities online in particular, where it's okay to ask questions and learn new things and change your mind. You know, I talk with a lot of vegans for the podcast, clearly, and a lot of what ends up coming up in conversation is is how hard it is to have really helpful and respectful conversations online, which is where a lot of us engage with other vegans. And Vincent is really dedicated to the idea of creating a space where those things can happen and where people can learn new ideas and test them out and ask questions. And that's one of the things that I really admire about him is that he's created online space for these conversations to happen. We also get into a conversation about a topic that's really near and dear to my heart, which is science and pseudoscience and how prevalent it is in the vegan community. There's a lot of overlap between vegans and pseudoscience, people who believe in pseudoscience, and that as a person who is very science-minded and who is really dedicated to evidence-based health is, is a difficult thing for me to stomach sometimes if I'm being totally honest with you. So I was really pleased that um, Vincent is also really invested in finding the scientific basis and talking about health issues in particular with the backing of science and not, not depending on fear, which I think is easy for a lot of us to do. I do it sometimes too. So I think that, as always, it's a really good idea to approach this conversation with an open mind and really think about what we talk about and how it fits in with what you already think about things and how maybe new information can change your opinions about things. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's, you know, that's for you to figure out, not for me to tell you. But as always, just remember that this is a a friendly conversation with another vegan, so... Here he is, Vincent Barad. So, um, how long ago did you go vegan? Um, it's not a simple answer. Um, I uh, I went vegetarian when I was uh, about twenty five years ago, and a few years later I went vegan. And in my opinion, I don't emphasize the difference between vegetarian and vegan. To me, going vegetarian, especially back in the early 1990s, was definitely the step that mattered. And then I progressively found that more and went vegan. Then I actually went back to vegetarian when I uh, lived in developing countries uh, for a long period of time and went back to uh, vegan when I moved to Australia. And what were you doing in the developing countries? So in I lived in Djibouti between Somalia and Ethiopia, and I was part of national service because I grew up in France, and national service was still compulsory at the time. And I was teaching in a primary school there, uh, although I had to be uh, leaving, had to be living in the army barracks and together with the soldiers, and that was quite uh, interesting. 
is is that part of why you moved back into vegetarian into a vegetarian diet because of the yes. the circumstances yes yes definitely still absolutely vegetarian for sure but i that was in the 1990s in uh in east africa and uh if i stayed a short period yes no worries i could have stayed vegan but i i and anyway i try to be selective and not indulge in dairy and eggs of course but i had to be pragmatic and so what did that like how you had been vegan and then you kind of had had by circumstance to go back to being vegetarian and like you're saying you you don't really see you know making that distinction is not a huge deal for you but like what did it feel like to go back to eating animal products that you didn't even really want to be eating it was just kind of what you had to do to survive yeah um now i'd like to say that it it it's possible that i could have survived without going back to vegetarian i'm not saying that maybe they i'm not making the claim that it would have been absolutely impossible i don't know but certainly for me i didn't find it at all i didn't find a way to do it but i have i don't know some people say oh you can be vegan everywhere rah, rah, rah. okay maybe i'm not uh i don't know everything but certainly in under those circumstances i so i, I was Telling people how you don't need to eat animal products, etc. So I was definitely doing my share with that and encouraging people around me. And avoid, like I said, like I wasn't indulging in, in those things that weren't vegan. But like it would have been really hard in the circumstances when I you couldn't make your own food. It really was not an option living in the army barracks in Africa back then to make your own food. So I had to eat with the other soldiers what the food they were having. And I was lucky that uh, there, were, there were a lot of really good fruits and veggies, to be honest, most days, sometimes mixed with a cream that might not have been vegan, but not always. Um, and I had other issues in my mind, to be honest, trying to survive there. It was not an easy time. There was a lot of violence, a lot of uh, sexism and racism, a lot, like it was rampant. And there was a civil war going on in the north of the country when I was there. So it's... I did what I could. I'm feeling okay about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I certainly wouldn't, you know, make any judgments about your decisions then. It sounds yeah. like it was a complicated situation, for sure. Yeah, and I definitely prize every step forwards. And so I feel that, you know, I don't... Uh, if I tell people that step forwards matter and that you shouldn't be harsh on yourself, I also follow that principle f myself. And it's not its not to look for excuses, like some people say. It's really just to... You need, you need to be happy as, a, as, a, as an animal advocate, too. What do you mean? I mean... Okay, good question. Um, I want people who take steps forward to, to, to maintain them and not... Uh, go vegan and then go back to eating meat. So I think uh, people, it's important for people to, to follow their own uh, path, like doing, taking as long as it needs and not uh, thinking that just because for a specific period of time they might have a few non-vegan things, that means that they, that is pointless, that you should give up veganism, that you should give up animal advocacy. 
that basically it's important to accept gray and not see things in black and white. I I mean, I can speak from my own experience in that, you know, that is how I have had to become and stay vegan, which is knowing that there are going to be instances where I'm not going to be perfect and that even being perfect isn't the end goal. Yeah, yeah, I agree entirely. And I, I know when I talk to people about being vegan or people who are interested, you know, talking about like kind of talking around the idea that maybe they want to think about it. You know, one of the things that I always talk about is like, you know, it's not necessarily an easy transition. And even even if it is for some magical reason, a super easy transition for you, there might be days where you accidentally grab some candy off of somebody's desk and take a big bite of it and not even think like, oh, my God, there's gelatin and there's, there's dairy in this. You know, it, it happens. We're just human beings. Yeah, I agree. So and, uh, I, I have uh, learned to be a bit defensive sometimes when I see some of the things that some vegans say, especially on Facebook, where it seems that only a black and white view is going to be tolerated. And they, you get um, uh, told off and you get abused sometimes verbally if, if, uh, if you're not promoting a black and white vision of things. It It is. And like I am finding this is becoming a recurring theme among many people, particularly advocates, but even not advocates, even just people who are vegans, um, who, who don't engage in a lot of advocacy, that, that kind of this, you know, this very passionate argument within the, the larger vegan community between different factions who have different ideas about what's right and what's wrong is really off-putting not only to future vegans you know people who aren't vegan yet but but to people who want to identify as vegans and who want to to live a life that is compassionate that that kind of like the the non-compassion that happens especially on social media is a real is a big problem it is it certainly is so i like to promote what i call a friendly and pragmatic approach and uh, encourage people to accept differences to, to, to understand it's okay to disagree on things, uh, preferably to to explain why and, and to be okay with that. There are definitely things that I'm not comfortable with or that there are positions that I really strongly disagree with. And But, as long, but I think that as long as we can accept a, a discussion about it and let the other person have their own perspective, that's that's better. But that's easier said than done, and I still get more upset than I want to be sometimes. And there are still things that really sometimes make me angry. And then I, I say things that I probably shouldn't be saying that happens <laughs> still. Like no one's perfect, really. But and then I think, oh, no, why did I say that? That was a bit harsh and I feel bad. I mean, it, it's hard, like in the heat of the moment when you're, you know, we've all seen the like silly, you know, the memes of like someone's wrong on the Internet. I have to answer, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, yes. it's hard not to. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the main thing is just to remind myself that, uh, yeah, speaking out of anger is not a good idea usually, and uh, promoting kindness is a better idea. But it's, yeah, I, uh, it's easier said than done sometimes, but it's good to keep it in mind. Yeah, one of the things that I'm trying to remember for myself is that you know, like, my ego doesn't have a big place in this. 
you know, like this is not about me and if I'm right or I'm wrong. It's about trying to create a more compassionate world and doing what I can do to contribute to that. Yes, I agree completely. It's it's important to keep that in mind. And I personally try to stay out of social media fights. <laughs> That's my my own personal limit. Is it's a very healthy thing to to stay out. Yeah, to stay out of. Um, I've done such a job in in stopping taking part in so many of those fights or, or having a completely different approach to the fight and not entering the fights, but just providing a different perspective backed up with evidence and leaving it at that. And people can read it if they want. And if there's still an avalanche of angry questions or angry comments, I'll just, I, I like the unfollow button on Facebook. Definitely. Mm. You say your piece and then you unfollow the conversation. <laughs> it does. If you, <laughs> Cause if you keep on reading the comments, you just, you can get dragged in and, and you know when they're just not trying to have a conversation, but trying to just uh, have a go, and uh, when they just try to to be nasty and it's not pleasant. So yeah, the unfollow button, I love it. So you run various Facebook groups, right? That that is kind of your major. I mean, maybe not your major exposure, but but certainly like that's how I found you was through Facebook groups. Yes, I work full-time as a primary school teacher, and I uh, also have two daughters, twin daughters, who uh, are about to turn eight uh, next week. And so I'm pretty busy in general. I do go to demonstrations as much as I can, and I uh, go out and give leaflets. Uh, like I just, last time I did that was two days ago for about four hours uh, for the Animal Justice Party in Australia and sometimes for Animals Australia. But as my time can be limited, but it's it's easy to just be home and, and do things online and communicate this way, I uh, have plenty of time and, and experience doing this. So I, I run a page that's called The Animalist. And I quite like the word animalist, even though it can have different meanings. But I like the fact that it clearly says you're pro-animals and or you care about animals. Uh, to me, it's based on the word humanist. Except it's not just humans, it's all animals, all sentient animals. That is to say, the animals that can feel uh, pain and they can suffer. And I also started and look after friendly and pragmatic vegans and vegetarians, which is a Facebook group that is uh, welcome to all vegetarians and vegans. So it's definitely not strictly vegan. And to me, that is important. I really want to welcome vegetarians and also reducetarians. Reducetarianism is uh, the idea that people can also start by cutting down meat and eat less, eat fewer animals. So not completely stopping eating meat. Of course, I'd rather they, I'd rather they go vegan. I'd rather everyone goes vegan, but not everyone is ready to just go vegan. And so, if they can reduce the consumption of animal products, great. The uh, outcome for the animals is going to be significant. And Friendly and Pragmatic Vegans and Vegetarians was a massive success. Uh, we have, I don't remember how many thousands of members we have now. I stopped paying close attention. Uh, let me see. We've got nearly 7,000 members at the moment. And we just started in July 2014. And it's been really smooth and easy to run because we really put the emphasis on being a friendly group not for dogmatic people, 
where we just don't accept fights about the definition of veganism, which can just go on and on and on. And they're not really about the animals in the end. They're just about a dogma. Uh, we don't accept um, pseudo-scientific claims, like claims that you can cure whatever serious illness just by being vegan. That is not okay. We like people to provide uh, sound scientific evidence when they, if they are going to offer uh, health advice. But and and. No racism, no racism, sexism, and homophobia. But other other than that, we do accept everyone. That's not like I said, not this, not this, not this. But we do uh, try to accept everyone. And in my opinion, it's important that all the people, regardless of their perspective, can care about animals, including people I strongly disagree with, like including really conservative folks, like people who still have uh, sexist or racist or homophobic prejudice. They should be welcome to care about animals because from the perspective of the animals, uh, we need as many people as possible to, to be on board. Now, it doesn't mean that I am okay with racism, sexism, or homophobia. I'm not. And sometimes I, like I, we, I was talking about not being always very patient. Like recently, I got really impatient with someone, uh, an, an ex-friend, I suppose, who, who was really promoting what I thought was really quite sexist and racist stuff. And... I got fed up with that, despite always saying, yeah, let's accept everyone, let's accept everyone. So it's not simple, it's not, it's not crystal clear uh, how, to, how to do things always, but I think that the, the guidelines, just the guidelines of not encouraging sexism, racism, and homophobia in the group, and not accepting pseudoscience, has been enough for the group to run really well. And so what types of things do people talk about in the group? So there's people who just ask for advice, like who are recently becoming uh, vegan or even just recently becoming vegetarian, or they just say that they have decided to reduce their intake of animal products. And so they ask for what to eat or what to wear with regards to leather or uh, silk or other animal-based things. Uh, so plenty of that, I suppose. Uh, we do talk about politics. At the moment, it's the uh, elections in Australia. And so the Australian members, such as myself, are talking about our elections and which parties have the best policies with regards to the animals. Um, there's a few jokes there's, uh, oh, at the moment, there's quite a few posts about feeding dogs a vegan diet, and some people are very much in favor, some people are very much against, and that's fine to be either in favor or against, as long as you accept the other view, and if you can back up what you're saying, it's, of course, a bonus. Some people post to suggest ways to be active for the animals. For example, I can see... Uh, uh, James D'Alto, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, like promoting using chalks and writing on the streets or on pavements, or someone promoting just printing uh, uh, messages and putting them on like signposts, someone promoting uh, doing things for vegan outreach in various countries, uh, someone explaining how to be a non judgmental vegan, that's uh, Tobias Linart, the vegan strategist which, and I recommend his stuff. 
He was actually an early guest of the show. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we get along really well, him and I. We, uh, we are on the same page on a lot of things, which you don't need to be to get along well with someone, obviously, but it helps. There's an article that was in a place called Choose Veg about uh, comparing coming out as gay and telling your parents you're vegan and how it went. Yeah, uh, it's it. From my experience, the group has been um, just like a really varied conversation. You know, when I I was drawn to the group personally, I I didn't know you, I didn't know who ran it. You know, I didn't know anything about it, but I was very drawn to it by the name, the the yeah. friendly part was what I was like. I'm tired of groups where people are mean to each other. I don't need that kind of toxicity in my social media. And, you know, and I, I came in for the friendly part and it's been really interesting to, to pay attention to what people want to talk about. Yes. I'm definitely happy when it's, when there's a variety of, of topics and a variety of opinions too, because it, it, it makes people more comfortable that it's not just their one perspective that's, that seems to be approved, but other perspectives as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I really appreciate conversations that and we'll talk about science and pseudoscience in a little bit because we we definitely have a lot to talk about there um but but when it comes to like the more philosophical stuff even you know things like and it can be backed up with science but things like what to feed your dog when when the conversations are reasonable even if they are even if they have a lot of passion behind them if people are treating each other with respect i think that that's a more productive type of conversation to be having. Yes, and I'd like to foster an environment where it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. So if you're not going to be too defensive, then you can read what the other person's saying and look at their evidence and think, okay, maybe they, maybe at least I'm like I was full on on one side. Maybe now I'm a bit in the middle, or or maybe now I realize that maybe. I should have a look at the other side of the argument. Well, it's kind of how most of us became vegan, right? Like most of us were on one side and over time we learned more and more and more and maybe made some changes along the way. And then all of a sudden we were on the other side. Speaking of which, I'd like to tell you how I became a Yes, we got like all the way into all this other stuff. I want to know, give me your bio. So I was in high school. I was 17 and uh, in the early 1990s and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine went vegetarian, which was really unheard of at the time. Like there was no other vegetarian on campus. It was just really not common. And I thought he was really silly. I, I really thought it was not the right thing to do. I thought he did not make any sense. I was concerned for him. I thought that sounded sectarian and definitely useless. And I, I knew I would convince him to not go vegetarian because it doesn't make sense. And I was really confident because, well, I was supported by, you know, my upbringing and education and everything around us that says that you need to eat animals for your culture, to be healthy, to be normal. So I went to have a chat with him. And of course, it helped that he was a friend. And, and I told him, look, you can't go vegetarian. It doesn't make sense because... Animals eat other animals, and it's just nature. It's 
circle of life and all that. And but basically because it's natural, because if we care about nature and the environment, then we should follow nature and eat meat. That was my main argument, and I thought that was sound and no way to no way to dismantle it. Also, I, I said, oh, you know, I've heard that um, in cults, they make people go vegan so that they lack nutrients and then you can manipulate them more easily. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> so that was my argument. <coughs> Excuse me. That's... And to my surprise, he had plenty of things to say back about that. And it made me think. I thought, oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, all right. Oh, you actually have things to say about what I just said. So I went back home. I don't remember exactly what he said. It's a long time ago, but I remember just going back home. That was before before the internet, before Facebook and all that. So it was uh, live conversations, which was nice. And it helps take more time, like go away from the conversation, think about it for quite a few days, and then come back and say, look, I thought about what you said and blah, 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 blah. Still convinced that I had to be right because that's the way the world goes. And no, you can't be vegetarian. So we went back and forth, back and forth. And that helped me discover his arguments that you can be healthy and happy without eating animals and that no, the animals are not going to invade the world if you stop eating them, that you can actually still look after, look after them and uh, that they are being produced uh, specifically to be killed and eaten and that if you st stop eating animals, less animals are being killed. Unless animals are being produced just to just to be exploited and killed, uh, that it's not part of the natural environment, whatever that means to to have all these factory farms and and all these animal agriculture uh, and so on and so on. And so I slowly started changing my mind. And oh, you also used a political perspective because I was quite involved in anti-racist uh, groups back at. The, uh, in the days, and he said, look, you, you, you're you against racism, and you're quite outspoken against racism, and that's great, but then you promote the the killing and the torture of of animals like three times a day, every time you, you have something to eat. And how can you combine those two? How can you reconcile uh, taking into interest, taking into account, excuse me, the interests of a group of people, and then ignoring the interests of another group just because they're not human, but they can suffer, uh, they can communicate, they're, they're there, they, they have feelings, but you, you're treating them in a way you would not imagine treating your dog. Is that all right? Is that something that's reasonable? And that really, that's the final argument that really got me. I thought, man, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> And that really bothered me. And then I realized it bothered me also because I, I loved meat. And it took me, seriously took me a, a whole year just to become vegetarian. A whole year. But then I did it. And now 25 years later, I'm still vegetal. I'm a vegan. And I have helped plenty of people care about animals and other eat fewer animals or go vegetarian or go, go vegan and sign petitions for the animals, vote for the Animal Justice Party here. And yeah, I've done a fair bit, I, I suppose, over the years. So, so I it, took a it long was, time. But, it sounds like it, pardon? Was really, it was really your 
conversation with your friend and he wasn't afraid to challenge you and and show you the you know the ways that you were contradicting yourself in your life and and you were able to respond to that and say like oh wow actually you're right and now i need to take my time and figure out how to do this yes it also shows that when we have these meat eaters who come and tell us the same old nonsense about the circle of life about the natural order of things or whatever and when they tell us that ah, ha, ha, you need meat it's good if you answer in a patient way you can actually you know get them to think about it rather than get nasty back at them yeah i mean sometimes obviously they're trolling and sometimes it's it's, it's pertinent to know when to stop the conversation and say look we've said our piece and let's agree to disagree for the moment but I'd like you to think about it and, and stop it at there. It's good to know when to not escalate into strong arguments. But certainly it pays to be kind and patient. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you that I didn't, you know, argue with people who were vegetarian or vegan before I was, you know, in my younger, less educated years. Um, you know, because I was taught all of the same things that you were that you know this was how we were supposed to eat and this was what was good and i liked eating meat and i liked eating dairy and i didn't think about whether or not my cosmetics were tested on animals and i just this it wasn't important and then you know over time i realized like oh actually all of those things that i thought or wasn't thinking about were all wrong and it is really through education whether that's like conversations or you know videos or youtube channels or books or whatever like that's how people change their mind and so if you can have a reasonable conversation with somebody even if you're trying to convince them of something that you think they'll never ever believe you can maybe get somewhere absolutely i forgot what i was about to say um <laughs> but yeah i agree so you this was, you said, 25 years ago? I just remembered what I was oh, about to say. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, and it helped me. It was important to me also that um, health professionals were okay with that, were okay with, uh, well, at the time I looked up going vegetarian and is it possible, is it healthy? Because I wasn't going to do it just because my friend convinced me on the political side of it. I, I needed the reassurance also that it was backed up by science, backed up by nutritionists, actually qualified nutritionists. So I did... Uh, talk about it with uh, my GP at the time and he said, yeah, no problems. It's actually perfectly reasonable. Uh, be mindful of this and that. And yeah, I wouldn't uh, change the way I, s I see things necessarily if it wasn't also backed up by sound evidence. And it just happened to be veganism is perfectly uh, uh, backed up by, by evidence that it is, uh, that it can be a, a healthy uh where that a plant-based diet can be a perfectly healthy diet. And and that the way that you phrase that is really important to me. Um you know and and the way that I think about health in general based on my you know the field that I work in is that you said a plant-based diet can be a healthy diet. And that's really important. It doesn't it isn't inherently healthy. If you eat That's only right. if you eat only one food all day every day, or if you eat 
food that's vegan but has no nutritive value. Like neither of those options are particularly healthy and you're not going to be able to thrive on those diets. Um, and just like the way that you phrased that was really, um, it was really lovely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, chips are vegan, so you can eat chips all day. Eat chips sure. and drink beer all day. So that's probably nice, but you're not going to be healthy. Well, and you know, you can have a day like that here and there. Okay. I mean, you are just a person. You're going to have to, you got to have like a couple junk food and beer days every once oh, in yes. a while. I mean, if you drink, if you don't drink, you can have kombucha, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but you're right. Like that's not a healthy diet either. And maybe that's not what you're going for. Like, maybe you don't care. Like, who am I to tell you what to eat? But, you know. Yeah, I um, I changed my mind about uh, a couple of years ago about that. I used to say, look, it's it's not about our health. It's about the animals, blah, blah, blah. But uh, a good friend called Jennifer Duke explained to me that, well, we should also care about our health more because, well, obviously showing good example that we can be healthy, that's, yeah, that goes without saying. But also if we are healthier we'll be using less uh we'll we'll be we'll have less need for uh for various medicine and and that can be better although i, I do promote medicine completely I, I think modern medicine is fantastic but just um not how can i put it i need to carefully phrase this um There are there are avoidable medical interventions that That's right, that yeah. can that can happen when you know not every medical treatment is inevitable. That's and, right. Thank and... you for coming to my rescue. <laughs> it took me a minute too. I <laughs> took a while. <laughs> to not be misinterpreted there, because I it's pretty important to uh, emphasize how I do support medicine and I do support modern medicine 100%. However, uh, unfortunately at this stage, a lot of uh, a lot of what we use is either tested on animals or uses some animal products and so if you can if you can try to be sick less then well it's it's a good thing. It's it's obviously a good thing. Anyway, who wants to be sick more? But um, obviously if you are sick and you do require actual medicine then Go for it. You must take it. Well, you should take it. Uh, but if you can take a few extra steps and make sure you're a bit healthier, that's nice. That's that's a good thing to do. It seems obvious too, but uh, it's 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 a reminder, and it helped me appreciate also the health perspective that there are some uh, benefits to a plant-based diet as long as you you you're mindful about it. It's 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 a good idea to eat more fresh fruits and veggies anyway. That goes without saying. That's quite a common uh, common thing to hear from from uh, nutritionists. Well, and I think a lot of us like the way we feel when we eat a lot of fresh produce, and you know, it's it's a good feeling to have you know like lots of fiber and colorful things on your plate and you know like yeah, at least it's it, colorful yeah. yeah you know for me like if i look at a plate and it doesn't have vegetables that seems or fruit or something like it, it doesn't seem quite complete um, oh yes and, and you know so for me there's a 
there's not only like the physical feeling good, but there's like the psychological, like, okay, this is really a meal. It really, it has vegetables and fruit and, you know, things that are, that I know make me feel good when I eat them. I agree. And um, I, so I, I decided it's okay to use the health argument and to use any argument to encourage people to eat uh, a plant-based diet or to, to just eat fewer animals or to go vegetarian. That's promoting, well, ideally veganism this way is, is okay. I used to think, no, it has to be about the animals. It has to be clearly about helping the animals. But whatever works is going to help the animals anyway. If people are tempted to follow plant-based diets because it's healthier, then great. More people will be vegan. More people will, uh, there'll be more vegan products in the shops, which in turns makes it easier for everyone and helps the animals and makes it more mainstream. Whatever makes veganism more mainstream is great. Mainstream is really what we should target. Uh, also using the uh, various environmental reasons, because clearly, for example, cattle and sheep are, are a disaster for the environment with regards to climate change. Uh, they are one of the leading causes for climate change, and it should be addressed, and it should be addressed by every political party that pretends to care about the environment. And it's not always addressed because of uh, our cultures and because of the importance of the animal agriculture lobbies. Uh, this is also an argument that can be a bit dangerous if people stop eating uh, cows and stop eating chickens, but no, sorry, stop eating cows and stop eating sheep, but instead eat more chickens. That's actually uh, bad for the animals because if someone's going to cut out an animal, is going to stop eating an animal, it should be chickens because they are the ones who suffer the most because of the way they are raised, the way they have been uh, selected to, to grow faster and they, they end up like burning their, their feet. And they, to produce meat from chickens, you need to kill a lot more individuals, a lot more individual animals. So there is nothing worse, in my opinion, than, than eating chickens. So that's why using the argument against uh, cattle and sheep exploitation, I always make sure to say, but do not replace it with chickens, please. Yeah, that's a good point that, like, so much of the environmental argument is focused on cattle and sheep, and it it doesn't necessarily take into account what you're saying about chickens and the amount of suffering that they go through when people yeah. switch away from red meat and go to white meat. Yeah, I understood that especially thanks to uh, Matt Ball uh, and his organization called One Step for the Animals. Uh, Matt Ball was involved in... Uh, in, in setting up vegan outreach back in the days and now he's involved in one step for the animals and I recommend everyone looks that up it's it's a great pragmatic uh, fact-based organization that will promote people to 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 be vegan if they are uh, so inclined but otherwise they will be promoting that people stop eating chickens oh specifically chickens interesting yeah, because of uh, the number of animals that are killed to produce chicken meat. 
by so they're saying that by not eating chicken you will save uh, scores of animals each year even if you eat other animals instead but obviously they don't want people to eat other animals instead necessarily necessarily everyone involved in the organization is vegan but it's just to 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 take whatever steps we can take to to reduce animal suffering and to have fewer animals killed and if you look at the material they have on their website nowhere does it actively promote eating other animals and it is um it's very welcoming it's very not judgmental i like the material they produce but it is and it is it is targeting meat eaters it's targeting staunch meat eaters who will who who don't want to bulge who are not going to go vegan but if they can stop eating chickens the direct consequences on animals will be at least beneficial that's really Otherwise. interesting. I, I'm definitely going to look into their materials and see, you know, what their what their strategy is for talking to these meat eaters about chicken. You know, people who presumably claim that they don't care about animals. You know, how are they yeah. talking to them about this? How are they convincing them that not eating chicken is a good thing? Um, you know, it, it, that seems really interesting. I'm definitely going to look into that. Yeah, I, I do find it interesting because I like I like that it it, it can target really uh, a really mainstream audience and people who would not be otherwise interested in in animal rights and uh, animal welfare, but who can be otherwise convinced. Yeah. Now, of course, I also do promote other approaches. It's not the only approach that I think is beneficial, but yeah, I, I just think the more the more perspectives we have and the more uh, ways of targeting different people the better yeah that's what i'm really interested to look at is like how are they talking about this to people who probably don't care that much about the ethical argument or say that they don't care that much about the ethical argument i um, think they present yeah it's there well they are presenting the consequences of uh the meat industry and all the negatives about it and then they're saying that look uh if you just want to take one step just one step, one step is cut out chicken because that seems more realistic for people to do. The average people who's never thought about it, if they're just told to cut out chicken, it seems like, oh, yeah, I probably can do that. Hmm. Interesting. It's a, very, it's a very interesting concept. I really also do personally see it as a foot in the door kind of thing, hoping that they eventually will go further and stop eating animals, of course. Yeah, I, I would imagine that somebody who is willing to give up chicken, if they are swayed by the, the arguments that you're laying out, and they're willing to give up chicken, that they are probably a prime target for getting them to give up beef or dairy or eggs and, and kind of getting, you know, showing them that there are other reasons to avoid particular foods. Oh. We'd like to think so, we'd like to think so, but... Uh... I can think of plenty of people who uh, who have absolutely no intention ever of stopping eating animals. I'm sure we all know plenty of people like that. And if if they can be reached in some ways to cut a chicken, then great. It's better than not changing anything at all. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I I don't see. A... I don't I don't see a downside to getting people to 
think about what they're consuming and whether or not they actually want to consume it, even if that is just chicken, even if it's just chicken forever. That seems like a, a big, seems like a big deal for somebody to, to make that change. I think it was for all of us as we made our changes. And so it's something to be, I, I think, on, you know, from my own perspective, I think that that's a, that's a win. Yeah. It's, it's... A, counter-argument, a counter-argument to this can be, well, I can think of two counter-arguments. One is that it's actually harder for people to care about chickens because they are more different from us than other animals. Hmm. So I've heard, I've heard that from, I talked to someone from Animals Australia about this, and I thought that was a, an interesting counter-argument that it's, they, they, dis, they decided to to use a lot of photos of cows and pigs, for example, or, or uh, goats, because it's it's a little easier to 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 relate to them in a way. They're, whereas birds are more significantly different from us. So to try to get the audience more uh, interested or engaged in a way, it will be easier with mammals. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes sense. That's a that's a fair counter argument that I can understand and appreciate. And the other one is, of course, um, that. It makes sense also to just promote actual uh, veganism and to promote uh, not eating animals because that's what the be- that, that's the best outcome. But uh, we all know that not everyone is in a place where they're willing to 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 try vegan, even if we want them to. It doesn't matter how much we want them to step in the door is, is, is a strategy that works. It's a commercial strategy that, that has been proven to work. Yeah, I, I think it is always important to bring up whatever the counter-argument is and, and that the counter-argument of we have to promote going vegan only is, is an interesting one to me because of the word promote. And I, I always think of you know, what is it that we're promoting, really? It's conscious decision-making, and it's conscious con- um, conscious consumption, and, and really making sure that the things that you're doing actually align with your own set of values. And, and it's so interesting to me, the kind of the, the tension between the, these, um, these two kind of camps that have created themselves that that seem to think that that we can impose our own values on other people and we can't There's, it's no. it's impossible and so it just doesn't work this way it's it's just it's frustrating to me to to kind of hear the conversations that that come up about you know this person is wrong because they said this or this person is wrong because they said that and like really if if you are in it because you want to reduce suffering in the world, what makes the most sense to me personally is to try to help people see that what they're doing right now doesn't actually align with their values. And and that's that's the important thing. Whether their values are their personal health that's right. or their animals or the environment or because they're terrified of antibiotic resistance like I am, you know, like all of these things, that's that's our job. If, if we consider ourselves advocates, that's our job is to figure out how to help them see what's important to them. Gee, that's what I said. I couldn't agree more. And in fact, that's exactly what worked for me. 
when I made the first step, that's exactly what convinced me. Like my example about the comparing uh, racism and speciesism, that's what got me. That's what uh, made me care about animals genuinely. Right. It was it was the connection between something you already cared about, which was which was that that all human beings are deserving of respect and and, you know, given an equal chance to succeed in the world. And and your friend drew that conclusion to animals and saying, well, why are different species of animals any different from any others? Yeah, when you can when you don't need to, when you totally do not have to. Right. We can all we can all feel pain and we can all feel happiness. And I mean, we can anybody who spent any time around an animal knows that they have the whole range of emotions. Yeah. So um, and it's not that hard to it's not that hard to stop eating animals, especially nowadays. I tell you, from the perspective of someone who did that in the early 1990s in France, well, I live in uh, Melbourne now in and it's 2016, and oh my god, it's just. <laughs> You can go anywhere and have, well, just about anywhere and have a really good vegan meal. It's, and, and talking vegetarian, that's not even like, it's, it used to be hard to find something vegetarian anywhere. Now vegetarian is a complete non-issue. It's absolutely everywhere. It's, it's veganism now that it's, it's, it's a vegan meal that you can find now in, in most places. Even junk food, which is great because I do, I do like to have some junk food every now and then, not too often, but definitely. It's part of my life, and there's a there's a chain called Lord of the Fries here. <laughs> it's it's a, it's it's a fast food chain, and it's entirely vegetarian, and and has and all of their products also can also be made vegan or, or or just come as vegan. And they don't advertise it as such, so they're just called Lord of the Fries, which is a a, a cool name. And their burgers are just called like. Fish burger, but fish is written like P H I S H, or chicken burger, but it's it's spelled uh, chicken with an apostrophe instead of the e. Uh, but I I know plenty of meat eaters who have been and have eaten their burgers and their chips and didn't even know they were eating a vegan meal. Ha <laughs> Don't know that that's actually a vegetarian and vegan chain, and I tell them. Really? Wow! Oh my goodness! I never knew. That's <laughs> I love that. It's so it's so cool. Tricked ya. We got ya. We showed you you can have a good meal. You don't even know the difference. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely something when they go. Oh my goodness! So it, so it does work. So I can have a uh, pleasure in eating and and it's still and it's better for the environment and the animals and my health. Well, my health. No, maybe we're not. I don't know if it's better for your health. It's still junk food, but it probably is better, though, because when you look at the all the crap that's in meat, it's still better for your health. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, that's a, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, so I do want to talk to you about science and yep. the role of science in the vegan world, and like what your perspective is on kind of the whole gamut of what we're dealing with there. Um, you know, so, it sounds like you were pretty science driven even as you were becoming vegetarian and vegan. Yes. I guess it's just a uh, part of a, a decent uh, public education uh, that I 
didn't want to be manipulated and made to follow something that wasn't sound. But I only became really interested in science very recently, maybe like two or three years ago. That's when I realized the importance of science. I wasn't that interested in science. I just had uh, like a reflex, like it was just uh, second nature to to make sure that something was scientifically sound before before wishing to support it. But I didn't really, I wasn't necessarily interested to know how things work or or what is science-based or what is not science-based. And I had some prejudice that I was not at all interested in questioning if, uh, and I, it was easy to just reject evidence by just not looking at it. And for example, with regards to, uh, to GMOs, I, until a few years ago, probably, uh, I, I would have thought, oh yeah, no, GMOs, they're bad. Why are they bad? I don't know, because I read that they're bad. Because I was just reading alternative media and um, politically driven uh, alternative magazines. Uh, and I had a friend who told me about the, uh, the benefits of using biotechnology in order to help the animals. And I looked into it a lot more and I realized that, wow, I was wrong all along. Like there's nothing uh, specifically wrong about GMOs. All those scary stories that I heard, they're not even true at all. These stories about um, farmers being sued by Monsanto because they accidentally have genetically modified seeds in their farm. That's just not true. It's a complete myth. It's entirely made up. And that's made up, and all, all the rest of the anti-GMO propaganda is, is complete made-up pseudoscience nonsense when you look at it, when you accept to look at the evidence and look at both sides of the story. And I'm really enthusiastic about the potential of biotechnology and using GMOs in order to, to help the animals. That's why I, I joined recently a Vegan GMO, and I'm going to start a Vegan GMO uh, chapter in Australia. Uh, probably next week. We've been talking about it for some time. And we, we like to promote uh, to the vegan community the, the advantages of, of biotechnology, that we can produce uh, uh, some specific medicine without using the animal uh, products. Uh, for example, uh, insulin. Uh, that we can replace a number of uh, animal experiments that we can obviously create uh, like um, clean meat or cellular cellular meat so that's meat that's actual meat but that didn't involve killing animals to to make it uh, so uh, various animal alternatives or cheese creating cheese using a genetically modified yeast. So it's still a work in progress, but my goodness, that would be great because offering people an alternative that's more like the real cheese will make it easier for people to, to stop de eating uh, what comes from exploding and killing animals. Um, and cheese is something that holds up a lot of people. It's a lot of people's yeah. last food. And so if we have a cruelty-free version of it, That'd be great. It would be fantastic. And as far as the environment is concerned, like overall, uh, GMOs have helped reduce the usage of pesticide by, from memory, something like 
that's quite uh, it's quite something. I know that in Australia, for example, genetically modified cotton has reduced the use of um, herbicide by 89%. That's that's pretty significant. Yes. So if you care about reducing the use of pesticides and herbicides, GMOs are the way to go. And they're still the the scientific consensus is very clear that it's that it's not unhealthy that there's no re- specific risks associated to uh, consuming GMOs and the scientific consensus is really quite clear on it just like it's clear that vaccines work uh, and that the uh, that climate change is happening and that human activities have uh, an impact on it so if you're going to choose to listen to the scientific cons- consensus on on certain things, but not on other things, well, you should wonder why why that is. Is it your your own your own prejudice, really, or is it that you just don't want to listen to something when it doesn't comfort your your personal view? I know that was my case with GMOs. I thought, oh my goodness, no, they're they're monsters. They're using animal genes and injecting them into tomatoes, and which is just not. Not true. It's just not true at all. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty um, agnostic on GMOs for a long time, and mostly that's just due to my own uh, lack of research into GMOs in general. Um, though, as I'm starting to, I'm starting to force myself to learn more because I have to, I have to be informed. Um, it does seem to me like there's. There are, are a lot of advantages to GMOs. The one caveat that I think we just can't answer now is, you know, are there long-term impacts on the ecosystem and are there long-term impacts on our health? And that's just, those are just questions that we can't answer now because we're talking about long-term impacts. Um, and, well, you know, for, they've been around for 25, 30 years. What we know is what we can observe from, from these uh, 25 odd years and so far we have not observed anything negative that doesn't happen with other forms of agriculture so so far the the verdict is that it's 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 safe and anything new whether it's GMO or not GMO we can say the same thing about do we know the long term right. do the long term of using mobile phones do we know the long term of using computers do we know the long term of anything it's not specific to GMOs but that's but that seems to come at every time it's the topic of GMOs, whereas people are not so bothered with anything else that's new. Right, and, and that's kind of that. That's kind of where I'm headed mentally. Is you know, we we just can't know the answers to those questions, and we don't stop progress because we don't know the answers to long-term effects of anything. Like you said, mobile phones. We have no idea what the long-term impacts are going to be if there are even going to be any from our phones. Yeah. But that I doesn't said, doesn't stop us. I, yeah, ahead. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It, it just doesn't stop us from using it. You know, same thing with a lot of medication. Um, you know, yes. we don't know what it's necessarily going to do to us long term, and sometimes we get it wrong. And that's when drugs get pulled off the shelves or treatments get stopped. Good point. Uh, and, and it's the only way that we can get better at what we're doing, which is trying to make the world a better place, is by trying. Yes, and what we can know is what we can observe, 
and so far the observations have been have been really positive in favor of GMOs. That's and that's after more than just a few years. Oh, and what you said is sometimes we get it wrong. That's that's good. That's a very important point to acknowledge. And the great thing about GMOs is that if there is a specific type of GMO seeds that is uh, not working quite as was expected, the great thing is it can be changed very easily. It doesn't take long to, to, to modify it for the better. Uh, that's that's all really. Yeah. It's it's using biotechnology. It's you just you change the seeds. And hopefully, problem solved, or at least uh, um, you have plenty of tools that you uh, that you can use to 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 counter any eventual potential specific issues we may or may not find in the future. And I think that there is a natural fear to the unknown, and particularly things that don't make a lot of sense without advanced understanding. So vaccines are a great example of that, where it's kind of hard to understand how a vaccine works and how herd immunity works if you if you haven't had the exposure to, you know, the advanced education of immunology and epidemiology and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that as people are exposed to more and more information, they're more likely to say like, whoa, 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 I don't understand that. And so I don't trust it. And I think that's a lot of what happens with GMOs too. Is yes, and if only those people whose concern may be fair, if only they accept it to then be educated, if they accept it to then have a look and let people explain to them rather than just uh, become really aggressive about it and rely on specific pages such as Natural News or, or David Wolf kind of absolute rubbish. Uh, they they say they're open-minded, but they only listen to one specific side of the argument, and that's the side that is absolutely not backed up by scientifics. Yeah, I um, it, it is really hard to see <laughs> natural news. David Wolf, and he didn't hit my up. He didn't hit up my personal favorite, Merkula. Um, yeah, of course, he was next. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's just it is disheartening as a person who really believes that science is the best shot we have at understanding how our world works and it's not perfect and it's basically not supposed to be perfect but it is just so sad to me that that there are that there are so many people who are willing to take what is being told to them at its face value and not looking more critically at, you know, the historical advances of something like vaccines um, and, and what that's done for us now. And they're, yes. you know, they, they just are willing to listen to like some guy on the internet. And, and they don't think about the fact that like they've never seen somebody who's had the mumps before. And they don't understand why it's so great that we don't get mumps anymore. So I, I, I get on my I get on my vaccine soapbox, and I just can't stop. Um, this is also my my pause for um, vaccinate your children. Everybody should vaccinate their children. There's nothing dangerous yes, about vaccines. Absolutely, absolutely. If you, if you want, and um, like I said, I've got twin daughters. They're going to be eight next week, and they 
had all their vaccinations. It went super well. They didn't mind it. They loved that they had a, a balloon and a lolly afterwards. They absolutely loved that. And like I get all icky about injections. I mm -hmm. don't like. I don't enjoy them. And I couldn't even watch uh, my children being vaccinated because of the. I, I I'm I was a bit <laughs> uncomfortable with um, with watching it, but I'm really happy it happened. And I was the only one who was bothered. <laughs> I got it from like a, a a silly emotional response, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'll be the first to tell you, I cry every time I get a vaccine, not because I'm afraid of it, but because I don't like needles. So you know, it's the same if I'm getting a vaccine or if I'm getting my blood drawn. I'm just gonna, I tell, I tell the nurse, I'm like, I'm just gonna cry for a couple minutes and I'll be fine. Like, just do what you have to do. <laughs> But yeah, and one of the things that is really both interesting and upsetting to me is how much of this permeates the vegan community and and the conversations that we have. Um, there's just there just seems to be so much overlap. Yes, I think it comes from the fact that uh, people have questioned something that's was taught at school, it was taught by our parents, it was, it's promoted by society all around us, and it's killing animals to eat them, and that we must do it, because it's good for our health, it's good for our cultures, it's good for everything, and we must do it. So when people have taken a huge step questioning, questioning uh, their education, questioning their upbringing, and they stop eating animals, then they don't stop, and they continue to question, and, and they... And quite a few people would just go on questioning, uh, how can I put it, go on questioning uh, doctors and medical science and everything. And, and then it becomes uh, a niche for, for uh, what's the word, conspiracy theories. I, it's, I'm really happy to hear you that, that that's kind of your take on it too, because I, I've been saying that for a while that I think that that's probably where a lot of it comes from is like vegans have realized that like what we've been told is all wrong about animal use. And so yes. why, why wouldn't we start questioning other things like other kind of institutional knowledges that exist? Makes, that's right. It's, makes a lot of sense. it's okay to question it as well. I don't have a problem. Yes. Go and question these things. Go ahead. No problems. Question them. Question vaccination. But then, accept the evidence you'll find and, and and learn what science is and have a look at who's telling you what. Because you look at those charlatans, you look at uh, David Wolf and Natural News and Mercola, for example, uh, and they tell you something that is just so black and white. They tell you it's reassuring that, oh, look, buy their products and that will work and that will replace everything you want to replace. And I'm telling you, what is bad and I'm telling you what is good and and they're so confident and this it's almost like they, they, there's no like errors and mistakes don't exist when it comes from them and they're just selling you products they're just there to sell you their products that's the bottom line so have a look at these two have a look at who is where are you getting your information from and as you said before and I was again something great like sometimes we do get it wrong and scientists don't go around and say 
uh, that things are black and white. They base what they're saying on very, 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 very strong uh, peer-reviewed evidence, uh, and not just one study or two, uh, but a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of very, very well-researched studies. Um, and they're not new, this is bad, so buy my products. Now, yes, there are things that are wrong in uh, some pharmaceutical companies. Yes, not everything in, is ethical in the world of, of science because there are uh, big companies who are there to, to, to make money out of products and, and out of certain research. Not everything is fantastic. So, and yeah, it's true. Yes, there is room for corruption. Yes, but it doesn't mean that you should reject a whole area of life. You should reject such rigorous studies just because it's not pure and perfect in every way for every scientist that's ever been born. There's also a big difference between what scientists say in their in their published studies, what they what they say in in their own you know scientific circles, and then what we as non scientists as just general consumers see published in our media outlets you know the oh, yes. that the whole headlines of like this week red wine's good for you next week red wine's bad for you <laughs> over and over and over like of course it seems like science doesn't know what it's talking about it's because the way that it's portrayed to us as lay people is like it, totally chaotic that is such an important point and before i took an interest a, a stronger interest in science that is exactly what was getting me. I thought, well, you don't know science because you can find uh, scientists promoting one thing and then you can find other scientists promoting the opposite. So how do you know? How can you rely on this? That's what I used to think. Now I realize I was completely wrong because, as you said, and it's entirely true if I have to be honest, I was not basing this opinion on any evidence. I was basing this opinion on headlines. And I was not reading the articles. I was just reading the headlines. And so I was under the impression exactly that uh, one day science says that and the other day it's exactly the opposite. But that is not true. That is not what is happening. If you actually read these articles and have a look at what uh, they're basing the article on, a lot of them are very, very exaggerated or completely false. And it's That's... also important to remember, like, as non-scientists, our own limitations in understanding those studies. And, you know, and journalists are also non-scientists. Yes. And so, you know, we're all kind of working with the same, I mean, not really, but, you know, none of us are the experts. None of us are the people who were in the lab or the people who ran the trials. And so we have to look to the people who are experts in the fields and say, well, what do you think about this? Because you know way more about this stuff than I do. You know, I'm not going to know about space and the solar system more than an astronomer just because I read an article about it. Like, that's not how it works. And yeah, so... no, it's not. And if I wanted, like, uh, if I wanted, if my children were sick and I need to, to find a treatment for them, I'm not going to rely on what a journalist says. I'll rely on what a doctor says. <laughs> exactly. If I want, if I want to uh, start a farm and start growing fruits and veggies, I'm not going to take advice on what to use from a journalist. I'll take it from uh, uh, scientific 
scientists, sorry, scientists who study in the field of agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important, I think, for us to all remember our own limitations and that we are coming kind of coming full circle around to the, you know, going vegan slowly over over time versus doing it immediately. You know, we are just human beings. None of us are perfect. And so when we have the ability to look to an expert, we should and we should trust that they know more than we do. Yes, absolutely. Well, like I said, yeah, question anything you want to question. Questioning is healthy, but don't stop at the first thing that comforts your prejudice. Mm -hmm. And don't stop at the first hit on Google. No. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Go to like page two or three and see what's back there too. Sometimes there's good stuff all the way down there. Just because something has a lot of hits on Google doesn't make it true. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's obvious. All right. Well, I think that you and I could probably talk about this indefinitely, but um, I have to eat my dinner and then I have to go to sleep because I have to be at work in the morning. So um, where can people find you online? Where can they find The Animalist? Where can they find your Facebook group? Give me everything. So The Animalist is on Twitter and uh, I don't remember the address. That's good, isn't it? Let me see. It's uh... Oh, yeah. It's just at The Animalist in one word. So the, the at symbol and then The Animalist. So like animal with IST at the end mm-hmm. on Twitter and on Facebook, you have to look up also the animalist and you find it, you should find it quite easily on Facebook. On Facebook also you can find friendly and pragmatic vegans and vegetarians. Um, so that's friendly and pragmatic vegans and vegetarians. I also do run another page which is called animal friendly cheese reviews. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yes, because I, well, I, having a French background, I like my, my food, I love my food, and I really liked cheese, and so I'm really into vegan cheese. Uh, so what, that's where Animal Friendly Cheese Reviews comes in. I, I have tasted and reviewed uh, 38 different vegan cheeses, and I've written what I thought about them, and sometimes where to find them, how they're made. And which ones are the best? <laughs> That's really fun. I'm going to check that out. I want to know what all the best ones are. And I'm going I to be... found that some of them were disgusting, and I found that some of them were delicious. I even thought that some of them were better than than the, the animal-based ones. Mm-hmm. Not often, but sometimes. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I'm glad that we finally connected. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Mine too. I I really appreciate it. Appreciate you taking time away from your kids while they're sick, and and just to talk with me about this stuff. It's been really great. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you. Tegan Goes Vegan is found at tegangoesvegan.com on Twitter at tegangoesvegan on Pinterest at tegangoesvegan. The show is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna with music by Amanda D'Amato. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show more easily. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back soon with more great vegan conversations.